0: Welcome to the Women Are Smarter podcast. I am your host, Dennis Strazullo. The Women Are Smarter podcast is brought to you by Mount Tam Media. Join us as we explore the journeys of women in the music industry, women-owned businesses and nonprofits, and other inspirational females making a difference in this world. We are proud to provide a platform for these incredible women so you can hear their stories. my co-host and the founder of Mount Tam Media, the presenter of this podcast, Tammy Larson. Oh, Hello, wow. Tammy. Yes, thank you so much, Dennis. Okay, so let's talk about our third presentation of the Women Are Smarter podcast with a powerhouse. I'm just gonna say it, Tiffany Schlain. I was very impressed when I met her earlier this year in 2022, but to sit down and speak with her I was blown away.
1: Yeah, I know. Every time, every time I, you know, we, we have a article coming out as well. It'll probably be timed perfectly with this podcast and Mill Valley Living Magazine about Tiffany and her family. But it was just so hard because there's just so many things she's done, and I actually had a difficult time because we have, you know, for those of you who don't know, we have three different podcasts under the umbrella of Mountain Media. One is The Women Are Smarter, the other is Tales from the Green Room, and the other one is The Other Side of the Mountain, which talks, we talk a lot about just a different way of looking at the world, and we are interviewing people all the time who have just the coolest perspectives and are really changing the world. And so it was like, okay, which podcast should we actually have her on? Because she has Tales from the Green Room, of course. And uh, certainly she's smart, but, you know, we might have to just air this on all of them. I don't know, but uh, well, anyway.
0: Right now we're going to do it on the moon. we smarter. Yes, we are. we we'll let's, let's say a little more about her. She's an Emmy-nominated filmmaker. She's a best-selling author. She is the founder of the Webby Awards, which is a pretty incredible feat. And among other things, she has... If you go to her website, first of all, which is, I guess if you're the founder of the Webby Awards, you better have a kick-ass <laughs> website. And I tell you what, she does. TiffanySchlein.com, and that's S-H-L-A-I-N is how you spell her last name. But if you click on and just work through it, you'll see she has these 80 awards and distinctions that are six pages long. Yeah. So we started in interviewing her, we started to introduce her sort of in the moment And uh, I just wanted to stop you, Tammy, because it was like, okay, enough already. (laughs) Let's just hear what she has to say. (laughs) But I mean, it's incredible because some of her films, and they're mostly documentaries, the Sundance Film Festival premiered four of her films. I mean, what? Four of her films. And what are some of the other impressive things out of those eight pages? Well,
1: you know, one thing that she's been very happy about, she's doing all kinds of things, which she'll talk about a little bit in the podcast. But 24-6, a lot of people are very familiar with that. She came up with this whole concept of taking a day offline. And her family has been doing this for quite some time. And she professes it's changed their lives, and I, you know, I think people should do it all the time. <laughs> well, I got to
0: tell you, what was interesting about that is that that, that probably stuck with me more than anything mm-hmm. of all the other accolades and experiences. But when she told me about that twenty four six, and she it's also, a book too. Yeah, and it's a book. But she told me her kids are just as excited about getting offline.
1: Yeah, they look forward to it. They look week. forward
0: to it. It's awesome. and, the, and the honest opinion was, and she said, I look forward to getting back online too. Which that's, That's right. cool. So right. that was, I mean, I, you know, so there's something uh, to say about it. How about the fact that she was the on-air internet expert on ABC's Good Morning America with Diane Sawyer in the early days of the web?
1: Well, I, I used to watch Good Morning America all the time, and I remember her being on there. And, you know, it's so funny. Here, we are. here, we, said, here we are. You didn't even know what the internet was
0: at that time, right? Yeah. You know, what was this expert? <laughs> what are they talking about? Uh, and I was most impressed with the fact that she won the uh, Marshall McLuhan Outstanding Book Award. Uh, I didn't think it was in 2021 or something like that for the 24-6, well, Whenever mm-hmm. that book yep. came out. Yep. And uh, Marshall McLuhan is a hero of mine. The medium is the message. Um, mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. I studied uh, in college when I was studying um, communication arts and radio broadcast theory, etc. And so to see uh, that she won that award, that kind of stuck with me.
1: Any who's Yeah, we could go on for, for a long time. But I think it's best coming from her because she's she's also an amazing speaker. And, um, and she brings all that to the podcast, right? So...
0: And the, the, the last thing I'll leave you with is we were trying to decide if we should uh, put headphones on her for the <laughs> podcast. And she came in rocking her hat like we should have known. She <laughs> always rocks that hat and the red, yeah. li- li- red lips- lipstick. And uh, well, she, she tells did- us why, too. Yeah, she'll tell us why. So no headphones, but a badass hat and a badass woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited for all of you to li- hear the Women Are Smarter episode featuring Tiffany Chalene. Let's go. Well, hello, everyone. This is Dennis Drusulo, host of the Woman or Smarter podcast, brought to you by Mount Tam Media. And I am here with Tammy Larson, as always, founder of Mount Tam Media. And today we are thrilled to welcome to the podcast, perhaps the most appropriate guest for the series,
2: Uh,
0: documentary filmmaker, activist, author, mother, and so much more, and Mill Valley, California resident, Tiffany Schlain. Welcome.
2: It's great to be here. You didn't say native. That's the thing I'm most proud of. Mill Valley. There's so few of us, but native, native Mill Valley resident.
0: And I tell you, I tossed in the Mill Valley part right at the end. So at least I got half of it. No, I was like.
2: Yeah, no, um, no. I mean, well, it's a funny thing because I, you know, I grew up here, loved it, and then lived everywhere else, and then came back like 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. My husband and, and daughter at the time, just one daughter. And it's interesting how few people that are natives. I mean, I just. It's very true.
0: I have that experience in San Francisco. I'm a native of San Francisco. And uh, people yeah. go, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: there's not too many of you. I said, well, all my friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are still it's here. It's an interesting thing. I mean, it's such a magical place. And, you know, of course, when you're a teenager, you can't wait to get out. Like, I'm like, take me to Manhattan. And then when I was raising kids, I'm like, take me back to Mill Valley. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we're glad you're here now. We're so happy. To be. Glad you're here in Mill Valley and here for this, this podcast. Yeah. And and I, it, I was going to say, yeah, you know, I said so much more about your background. So I'm going to let Tammy, for listeners, to add a little bit of flavor on that.
1: Yeah. I think it's important. Um, so, and and I'm so happy you're here, Tiffany. Uh, so Tiffany was recently honored by Newsweek as one of the women shaping the 21st century. And she's also an Emmy-nominated filmmaker, founder of the Webby Awards, author of the national best-selling book, which we were just talking about this morning, 24-6, giving up screens one day a week. The Museum of Modern Art in New York premiered her one-woman spoken cinema show, Dear Human, right before the pandemic. And she performed this piece for the first time since then in Rio de Janeiro. Now, in July 2022, she received the Neil Postman Award in Career Achievement and Intellectual Activity, received over 80 awards and distinctions for her films and work, including selection by the Albert Einstein Foundation as one of the 100 visionaries who carry on his legacy and inclusion on NPR's list of best Commencement speeches, which I watched and it was amazing, and film premieres at the Sundance Film Festival. Currently, which we also had the privilege of seeing opening night, Tiffany is the artist in residence for 2022 at Shack 15 on the top of the San Francisco Ferry Building and currently has a solo human nature exhibit presented by the National Museum of Women's History in Washington, D.C., in partnership with Women Connect for Good, and that was an amazing exhibit, and I'm sure you're going to tell us all about how it's been going since then. And I'm so glad you guys were at the opening. Oh, was, of course. <laughs> so much fun. Well, that was awesome. It was just another, it was,
0: you had a smile on your face the entire night, yeah. and it's still there. So,
2: <laughs> so it was, was just, it was such a, it, to me, it was actually the Bay Area at its finest. Just, it was such a great energy, and uh, the response to the artwork was so exciting. But it was mostly, I think, what I was responding to, just that feeling in that room was electric, electric. Yeah, yeah and I think I haven't felt that since the pandemic you know just the sense of I haven't been in a really big event with so much great energy and people with their masks off it was just <laughs> that's right it yeah. felt like you know that that wasn't even a thought yeah you know walking good. around there I mean it wasn't a bit of a thought <laughs> it was a little bit there was oh, a lot of a thought I know when the fire uh, marshal was uh, like uh, you gotta get the people that have seen the art to move out so we can get more people in because there's too many people in there uh, I was like
1: okay okay a, a, good, right. problem. Yeah, a, a good problem yeah a very good problem yeah Yeah.
0: Well, yes. And thank you for inviting us to that. And it was, we had a great time. Um, All right. So Tiffany, the Women Are Smarter podcast, and generally what we've been doing, we're exploring the journeys of women in the music and entertainment industries and other inspiring women making a difference in this world. So obviously, as I said earlier, you fit that bill. But I want to frame the conversation a bit. One of our themes is to dig into the struggles or challenges endured by women in achieving their successes and how they have overcome those obstacles but we also are recognizing that there has been a trajectory of triumph for women across many industries and also in political roles and in other positions of power. So their struggles are there, the challenges, you'll tell us, maybe some of those. I think I'm right. The, the women we've talked to so far have all been unanimous in saying, yes, there are special challenges and struggles, but they've also, a lot of them have experienced this trajectory of success. So as we frame that, then we're also recognizing there's an intersection that seems to have crept up with women's rights once again being compromised by our current political climate. Mayhem. <laughs> and you know the show, yeah. Shit show.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'm, exactly pol- I'm over here
0: being polite, you know. The Roe v. Wade being the obvious example. So we'll keep it to the U.S. We talk about the Iranian situation. That's a whole nother subject. But you know, in the U.S., that's that seems to be. This is how we're framing it. It's like, wow, it's been a struggle. You've achieved success. There's a trajectory of that. Th- these are the struggles I've gone through. But now we have this political climate. We have a shit show. I guess I'm interested in your thoughts on just that sentiment. It's a great sentiment, given what I know and what I've learned about you. Because I'm surmising that despite all of this, or even you know, saying it all, you have a very optimistic view of where women stand.
2: Hmm. Hmm. There's so much there. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. I, it's a, I love I, doing this.
2: <laughs> I think I'll start with acknowledging my upbringing in uh, in Tam Valley, right near Tennessee Valley Road, but with two parents that were feminists. My mom went back to school. Well, when my parents got divorced, my mom went back to school to get her PhD in psychology. So I really watched her fight for her career, really, because that was a generation where the women, it wasn't the norm. And, and I had my mom on that side, and then my father, who was a surgeon, but also in his 50s, started a writing career and wrote about the connections between art and science. And then his other big book was called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess, The Conflict Between Word and Image. And and his big question was, why was it that all the goddesses, it was all goddess culture? What was the event in every civilization that changed who we worshiped from women to men and changed goddesses to gods? So That was what i grew up hearing about really watching my mother become you know get the career she always wanted but through a lot of struggle and then my father writing about really feminist feminism and and what what was the changes in society which he really thought that it was literacy whenever that was introduced that women's power would go down and would kind of rewire society to be patriarchal all that being said i think i was imbued with a sense that i had a special power being a woman And I I even remember my father driving us to Tahoe, my sister and I, and telling us about the special power and not to abuse it. And I'll never forget that conversation because in his mind, women are more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the place I come from. And and it's not to say, and I I love men and I love everyone on the gender spectrum. (laughs) Well, no, but I think they're... You know, I have I I have some friends that are strong activist feminists like me, but I would say that, you know, there isn't, they've had enough, men have had enough power and there isn't as much of a place for them. But I think everybody, everybody on the gender spectrum, and that's that's a very exciting development that we're seeing also is this gender fluidity. And my producer I've worked with for like 16 years is trans, and I went through that whole experience with him. So I think what I would say is that I very much believe that everyone has value in society. I think women's ideas need, and history needs to be lifted up much more so we can see that wisdom. And a lot of my work has done that. I mean, I've made, I made this one film, fifty-fifty, the 10,000 year history of women in power, just like looking for all the women leaders throughout history. And I loved learning it myself. A lot of times when I make a film or do any project, like I'm on a quest yeah. to learn more. And then I want to share it with as many people as possible. So I don't know if I've really answered. No,
0: no, you, no. you can't, <laughs> can't answer, answer it. I mean, this is not, a, it's not a question. It's a discussion, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, a discussion. yeah it's a discussion. And even the, the, and you alluded to this earlier, saying that the title of the podcast, The Women Are Smarter, obviously that's somewhat tongue in cheek, I think, yeah, <laughs> because I don't think that's what you're after. It's right?
2: not, you know, yeah. I mean, and I had, you know, I had a great, my father passed away, but I had a great relationship with him and talked a lot about these ideas. And my husband who I've been with for 25 years, and I think both of them had and my father had an incredible mother and Ken has an incredible mother. Strong mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it, too, you know, because they, they love strong women, too.
1: Right. right. So I
2: think that's also kind of part of this conversation is I'm drawn to men that. Right. Like strong women, obviously, or that have good relationships. (laughs) I mean, it's an interesting, it's so much embedded in your upbringing. I mean, just like what I was saying, I have to start with my upbringing because, you know, so many structures, so many people didn't grow up with that upbringing. And I know that. And I recognize that maybe they didn't have a good relationship with their mother or father or there wasn't a feminist
1: attitude in their house. And they've had to push against that or break free of that their whole life. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say, so one of the important things that I heard in the film was Your mom spoke about mentors and how important having a mentor is, whether it is your mother or just someone in your life, and that there was sort of a lack of that. And so, as we're talking about, we will be featuring Tiffany on the cover of our Mill Valley Living magazine coming up, which is a lot about community. And so, I wanted to get your thoughts about that, about mentorship and about what you think might be missing in terms of that and how, you know, just th- certain things that we could do to, to change that. So more women have mentors.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mentorship is such an important thing. I think mentorship all starts with relationships. Like I've had people out of the blue write to me and asked if I could be their mentor. And I'm just like, I don't even know you. Like yeah. that's not where it can watch my films right? <laughs> or just like we need a touch point. So I think actually people really teaching people what that looks like. And that really looks like Is it your mother or father? Is it a friend you admire that you go to for advice? And I've had mentors where I don't think I've ever actually used that word, but they are mentors to me because they inspire me. They live life boldly. They live the way I aspire to live or they have an attribute or a quality. And I made this whole film called The Science of Character that was used in a lot of Marin schools. It's just an eight minute film, kind of the neuroscience and social science of character development. But I really break down there in the film, the work of the positive psychology movement, which breaks down people into 24 character strengths. And it's this fascinating research because it gives a name like social intelligence, courage, humor, teamwork, all the things that everybody either has a lot of or a little of. And you can spend your life working on certain things, on humor or generosity or curiosity. And then we have this part of the film where you say, who are the people you admire and why? What are their strengths? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting if you're like, gosh, I wish I had more courage to do things or I had more creativity or whatever character strength you want to strengthen. And you thought of the people in your life that have that strength and then connected with them more about that. So I think it's actually kind of backing into what does it mean to have a mentor? Because, you know, I I actually worry about all this remote workspace environment because so many of my mentors, I literally was like watching the way they worked. And I was an intern at a film studio with this woman named Susan O'Connell, who's still a friend. And I think I was just typing in the Rolodex. (laughs) Yeah, but I just was like a spino. I'm so glad I threw out the word (laughs) What is a Rolodex? I love that. (laughs) But I just was such a sponge watching her negotiate deals and do film deals, and I just learned so much from her. And she was a great mentor to me. I've had a lot of great female and male mentors, and I think they're both important. Ironically, usually the male mentors usually tell me to ask for a lot more money. Say that again? I said Not surprisingly, when I'm in negotiations, on, I, cause I have male. Oh, male you female, ask for more money. They will recommend I ask for yes. a lot more than the women yes. will suggest yeah. from the mentors. Yes. So that's always, eventually, I want to make a film about money because money is freedom and power to do creative projects. And, yeah. and there's a lot of that. Again, I went into like seven directions on that answer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but but the, there's no <laughs> direction. Okay. I, this is great. This is, no, well, here, I'll.
2: I'll, I'll, I'll no, well,
0: I'll bring you back a little bit. Bring I'll, bring I'll bring you back. I'll yeah. rein it in if I can. Okay, but no, it's, I don't want you to be reined in. I, I do want to talk about all of these things. But you had this this fortune, really, of having the parents that you described and and what they presented to you and what they modeled for you as mentors and as parents.
2: Well, uh, you know, I want to say one thing, yeah. because I don't want to make it sound too idyllic, because mm-hmm. the reason my parents got divorced is my mom wanted a career. Okay. Wow. And I think, and that was probably if I looked back on, you know, there was a period in the 70s in Mill Valley, California. I think it was Marin. They did a study where it, 1980 was the highest divorce rate yeah, in the country. Mm. Wow. And I lived through that. And it was the weirdest thing. I mean, I think about it now. What do
0: you attribute that to? Or did they? Or did well, they...
2: It, you know, there was, I lived in Tam Valley. And I'll never forget it. In fourth grade, there was only one family whose parents were divorced. By fifth grade, there was only one family whose parents were still married. It was a year wow. of like crying, parents moving out, kids. Screaming. Right. I just will never. It was like I was in a horror movie where every foundation broke apart. And I think it was really a lot of women. In this weird generational, you know, the women's movement was starting and women were like, I don't want to just be a mother at home. I know a lot of my Uh friends have chosen that and that's fine. But these women that were wanting a career felt like the only way to do that was to get divorced. So there were a lot of millions of reasons. But now as a, a woman that has lived a life, I look back at that period and I see a lot of women that didn't feel like they could live their potential from not being a mother, which is super important, one of my favorite roles in life, but I also get so much out of making things for the world. And so many women didn't feel like they could. So I had a great upbringing, but that was a very traumatic period. It was a, it was a bad divorce. All of the divorces were bad then. There was yeah. no conscious uncoupling. And so I I just didn't want to paint too much like, no, oh, I had this like, yeah, do yeah, support well, parents, which I, was, I do. But I
0: was going to say, your parents still, uh, despite amazing, that amazing, you had is, that, but you also had this other part of it, which is, yeah. is very intense. I mean, to think that your mom had to do that You know, to to divorce your father. I'm not going to say he divorced. I she thought
2: she had to do. I mean, like now, of course, I'm like all these families. Like, could they have?
0: Yeah, they could have. have
2: (laughs) Yes, they. So I say that with like kind of a, you know, I think marriage it's so much about growing together and a constant conversation that you're constantly evolving. And I don't think in society it was there. That was not allowed. No, I mean to use that word. Room for that. Yeah,
0: well, not allowed. You're not going to go. Bring this up.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah.
2: And I think that was the only way that a lot of women felt like they could, you know, realize some of their their creative dreams or whatever that was. So it it's uh,
0: And did your mom?
2: Yeah, she, she became yeah. a psychologist, loved it. And, you know, and both my, you know, again, I told you my father died, but we, I had very close relationships with both of them and still my mother, who's very much alive and <laughs> living a good life in the San Francisco. But I think coming from that experience, even more so watching the younger generation really play with gender, play with what gender feels right for them, and then really... Also, some of them struggle to gain a different identity. I mean, it's, it's just an, we're in another moment where there's a lot of transformation happening. So I think we're always evolving. I, yeah, I, yeah. Even even one of my pieces in the show, progress goes forward, goes back. But it's like the struggle of humanity. Right. And I think women's rights. We just need to keep pushing to be seen, heard, valued, respected, turned to. And, you know, I can't believe we're still talking about nuclear war in 2022.
1: Oh, my God. This yeah. would not
2: happen if there were more women leaders. We I mean, like right. killing our planet and killing our kids. It just wouldn't happen. Right. And um, that was one of the reasons I made 5050 of, of looking for women leaders and really kind of learning they were a lot more collectively than I knew about. Of course, we still haven't had one in the United States. But here we are where we have like Putin and we have, I mean, Iran, you know, there's still Talking about nuclear war like really are are we still talking about that exactly why do you
0: think a woman in power and the powers in those states well, so to the majority speak majority where-
2: of women have i mean not all women can have children but the ones that do i think when you go through that experience and that mm-hmm. there's nothing more significant to go through uh, with your body and caring and the giving and all of that and i just i just believe that You know, I do believe, I believe that women, there are more women leaders, that we would not be having as many wars. We would not be killing as many young people.
1: Might be talking a lot more.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, here's a bigger idea that I'm kind of trying to turn into a piece of art right now. But I think the reason why there are so many wars and like men can't have children. Yeah. And that fundamental truth is why men want to control women's reproductive choice. It's such an incredible power to have children. yeah. And because they can't, I feel like it thwarts and warps all these power desires. And, and so the way it manifests is men still wanting to control women, how they have children. Because if you, if you can't control your reproductive rights, you're going to have tons of children. Totally. You're going to be poor. You're not going to be able to get educated right. in the same way so it's such a huge infrastructural way to keep women down very interesting and
0: ironically that's where the power is too though right i mean of course, that's where right. the power yeah. is yeah. and yet but, but wow. if
2: we have too many kids not when you're ready you're underwater wow. with raising right. children and that's why i think about like planned parenthood Even that name, which we don't even think about anymore, plan parenthood, (laughs) plan when you're going to have kids, be with the right person, be at the right point in your life. It's such a commitment. It will derail whatever career plans you have. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world. But if you can at least attempt to have some planning around it, Mm -hmm. that is what... Difference maker. Right. (laughs) And so men saying you can't, and in so many places, I did one piece in the art show called Roe v. Wade, and it's this nine-foot by six-foot piece, that light box piece. Mm -hmm with all these women with bags packed and just like on an open road with nowhere to go. And I, I just shudder. You know, I, my father, when he was um, actually just out of the blue, one of his best friends who was in the army with him and he was in France wrote to me because he saw the Roe v. Wade piece. And he said, did I ever tell you the story about me and your dad in France with the woman who came to the emergency room with a hanger hanging out of her, and that bled to death? Uh. And he said, I remember her name. And I was like, it was one of those things where I had heard that story, not quite told that way, but he oh just wrote to me last week about it. Really? Yeah, and I remember my father, he was, you know, my activist Gene really woke up when George W. Bush Jr. took away funding inter- right. for international family planning. That was the first thing he did. Usually that's the first thing a Republican does if they become president.
1: And it pissed me off so much because I heard all those stories about my father seeing all these women die in the emergency room. Wow. Well, and you know, to follow on to that, so I had this very interesting conversation at a, this past week, and it was with a, a woman whose son lives in Norway, and he, they just had a baby, and he was given 10 months of paternity leave. And I was, and I thought, you know, that's the difference. I mean, you know, giving men more of an opportunity to be, to, to engage, and and to be part of that process. Mm-hmm. You know, almost to be maternal, have, because if they can't have children, I'd say it's almost allowing
0: them to be maternal.
1: Well, much yes. right, exactly. And I was Paternity like, okay. Maternity
0: leave, yeah. Right, in a sense you're being maternal, and
1: I don't know what it is now. I mean, different organizations give you different time off, but it's like, but wow, what a concept yeah. to yeah. have the dad home for all that time and and understand what goes into it. Yeah, we're so, at least
0: moving in that direction yeah. here. I mean, yeah, because yeah that was right. unheard of at all now. Right.
1: now it's, it's, Ken yeah. is very
2: he was very participatory yeah. with both of the girls, and I was like. I'm just and so And the
0: laws are moving in that direction, too, allowing it or demanding right. it, you know, at least in well, California. Well, it benefits
2: everyone. I mean, yeah. everyone, the kids, the father, the it's mother. Like a,
0: should be a no-brainer. It's right? a no-brainer. You know, you, you mentioned that Roe v. Wade and the art Exhibit, but I remember the one exhibit with the the tree lines.
1: Yeah, the tree ring. The feminist tree tree ring. The feminist tree ring. We're speaking about the art exhibit, by the way, at Shack 15. (laughs) We're acting like everybody was there with
0: us. But I I just, yes, the tree rings, and it just had timelines Mm -hmm. on it. And I just, the one that stuck out to me was whatever year Roe v. Wade was originally decided, right? Yeah. Favorable to women. And then all these years, and then overturned. It was just incredible that it, that's on that ring.
2: Well, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, that ring was very much inspired from growing up and going to Mere Woods all the time. Mm. And I was always so taken aback with awe at those tree rings. I just was like, it was such an interesting way to look at time and history and that these trees had like bared witness to humanity. But they're always so patriarchal and colonialist. It's like, right? <laughs> Christopher Columbus discovered America, and every everything on that timeline was a man. Yeah. And I, and when I was doing my artist in residency at the Ferry Building at Shack 15, I spent a lot of time, and I was working on these sculptures that was using kind of smaller truings. And then I remember just being like oh, my gosh, I want to make a feminist history tree ring and what would be on it. And fortunately, I had made that film 50-50, so I did two years of research on what would be in that movie, but then it was distilling into, like, 30 points and lines, and I consulted with a lot of scholars and a lot of activist friends, like, what would be on that? And distilling down, you know, (laughs) a long time, a lot of history, distilled down into 30 lines. But the Roe v. Wade part was a really strong part, and as I was finishing that piece... Roe v. Wade got overturned literally I was oh. finishing it in June and that's when the Dobbs decision happened. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't finish this whole tree with that. That's it, right. that's oh. not the end of this story. Oh. And right. so right underneath it, when I'm like twenty twenty two, it's the only one that has like three things that happen. It's like Roe v. Wade gets overturned in the United States. And then it also says sixty-five other countries have legalized abortion, four in the last year. That's a lot. Yeah. I and mean, even Ireland. Like yeah. right. so it was and then the last dot is eighty six countries have had women presidents yeah. or heads I, of state. I did
0: notice that, but it was <laughs> just <laughs> snuck in there though. Yeah. Was
2: because I, like that whole tree ring. And I think progress itself is about that kind of uh, just like that yeah, grind right. through the rings forward for evolving our thinking. And, and I started the very first thought is women were worshiped as goddesses. And that's mm. a much stronger. Mm. We're always, I think, most, so many women are like, we're only this percentage of CEOs, we're only this percentage of in- mm-hmm. the directors, we're only. And that's a place of scarcity. We're just not. But if yeah. you start with, we were goddesses, we were worshipped as goddesses and start from there, right. it feels like a much stronger place to begin the story. Talk yeah. about
0: two steps forward, one step yeah. back, or one step forward, two steps yeah. back, right? No, that's true, uh, definitely. That's has how that. it says it all. Yeah, it was very, it just jumped out at me. Yeah. Know, so I'm glad I brought that up.
1: Right. I was also just thinking, you know, with trans, with, with this change, because you mentioned about men not being able to have children. But with men becoming more in tune to be able to identify with either the gender that they feel they are, not the one that they see in the mirror. Just wondering if that will have some sort of an impact on what you were just talking about, like allowing men who are born physically men to then actually identify as a woman, if that's how they, they feel, if that will... Well, I think it's a lot of, like, if
2: you look at... I mean, obviously, there have been trans people for so long, they just had to... Hi, you exactly. Know, was, but now that society... At least in California, I should say. Yeah,
1: right. Uh,
2: yeah, right. I guess, I guess
1: this is very limited, yeah. right? I
2: think ultimately all of this is, again, what we're talking about is just opening up more opportunities for diverse perspectives to be seen and valued and heard. And yeah, it does feel like progress, even though it's so interesting to live in California and be in this one place, and then in so many other places, it's going backwards. But ultimately, I do believe in humanity. And you said ultimately, you're optimistic. So I love history for that very reason, because you know, if you go back a hundred years on anything, women's rights, black rights, disabled rights, Jewish rights, you know, any part of society, it has evolved and progressed forward. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you're feeling really frustrated to me, I'm like, well, okay, every one of my documentaries, I always start with like a timeline Mm -hmm. because it's so good to place yourself in history. Mm -hmm. Like what's the bigger picture of where we are Mm -hmm. when you feel really overwhelmed and actually going into nature, without as much of an intellectual way it it gives me that feeling in a more kind of inside way of like the bigger picture so i think that um when i look at history and look at the bigger picture i i do feel like we're we're always moving forward on some level even if two steps forward one step back right. i wonder
0: what that uh, tree ring will look like in 2072 i know i know
2: there was one version i just got chills when you said that because we're in production you know the from the opening, people bought work, and now we're making more treatings because I only made the treatings for the show. <laughs> but I bought slices, like there's editions of four of each of those. So I'm working on slices, and I told my producer, I'm like, let's keep, you know, so there's editions of four and then two artist proofs. And what artist proofs are, like your artist edition. I'm like, let's keep lots of room. I don't want to burn it yet. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I might want to add yeah. a couple. And so totally I'm like going to make these ones that are like, from the show but then there I will
0: they're very powerful it's just a powerful the message is powerful and the the means of coming out in that form is very powerful really well I feel like tree
2: rings to me now are like I have so many ideas like I I'm loving thinking about everything in terms of tree rings because it's such a fundamental part of nature and right us well we are nature we are nature I I mean, that, that was one of the things I wanted to have one part of the show but I hope you felt it like human nature is such an interesting coupling yeah. of words because we are nature. nature there's one piece in the show I call earthling and it's uh, I'll describe it for the listeners but it's it's a light box I have a lot of light boxes and there's like a woman on a branch looking at earth and she's in outer space but she's like and it's called earthling And I wanted to call it that because I think that's a very powerful reframing. We are of the earth. We're not separate. We are from the earth. We are earthlings. Even though it has yes. such a sci-fi term, I want to kind yeah. of take it away from being sci-fi and being like, no, we yeah. are of the earth.
1: That was one of my favorites I have that to I that I, I stood there for a couple of I'm minutes. I'm going to reveal this. Like,
0: this is probably wrong, but I took a picture of it. I thought, I feel like I'm probably not supposed yeah. <laughs> to do this, but I took a picture of that because it was so cool. I, right. didn't, I didn't post it. I just wanted to look at it again. Yeah. Very cool. I, I, so, I
2: love well, that. The, it's fun right now because those are in additions to and somebody just got a one of the big versions. Oh, wow. So it's going to be nine feet by six feet. Oh, now the,
1: that's a piece of art for our house. Yeah. Well, there's, there's,
2: still, there's still, I think, another edition of that one. And there's, you know, if anyone listening that's interested in the art, well, I want you to come see the show. I'm doing like online tours and in-person tours, but they can just go to com. But it's been really exciting to see which pieces people are getting for their homes. Like both collectors and first-time buyers are like, you know, because there's 24 pieces in the show and which ones they're like, I want to live with that piece. That has
0: to be one of them
1: it's yes. incredible
2: I love that it's I incredible I absolutely because love like that as point. a filmmaker if people go to a theater and see your film and hopefully you know it, it moves through them sure can listeners
0: see that at your website that what we're talking about. Yeah they, yeah, they
2: can see everything I mentioned. Yeah. If you go to <laughs> tiffanychelaine.com and then yeah. click on Human Nature, you'll see all it. But, okay. But I'd love for them, you know, if they're local, yes. come in please. person. Yes, please. Oh, it's so much better. Like It's every, a great
1: space. Yes, you're allowed to do that now. Yeah. Uh, so I have a question. So as we're talking about this human nature, I've had the opportunity to watch a couple of your dads as Dr. or speaks, you know, yeah. when he was speaking about the alphabet versus the goddess. I watched that. And I'm just wondering... Are you carrying on a bit of his legacy with that? And just talk a little bit about your dad. Yeah,
2: I mean, you know, both of my parents just show up so much in my work because my mom's a psychologist. I make a lot of films about psychology, neuroscience, Feminism, like my topics are pretty much directly from, I think the DNA, like the science of character film, I was talking about, that's on psychology, which she taught me a lot about the brain. I have a lot of films on neuroscience and there's several pieces of art in the show about neuroscience and actually the new film I'm making next year is about the adolescent brain. And Mm. he, you Mm. know, in fourth grade at Tam Valley Elementary School, it's like bring your parent to school day. And he came in with a big bucket, a white bucket and taught us all about the brain Uh, for the hour. And then at the end of the class, he like lifted off the lid of the bucket and there was a brain in formaldehyde. Yeah. <laughs> and he was so cool. I, know, I loved it. The couple kids screamed and ran out of the classroom. It. But there's one, but so yes, I mean, I think they both have made such a profound in, impact on my life. And yeah, and then one of the pieces, but my dad's ideas definitely influenced a lot of my thinking. And there's one piece in the show right before he died, he was working on this book on Leonardo da Vinci. And his, one of his dying wishes to his three kids, my brother and sister and I, was like, please get this book published. And he literally finished writing it and he died like a week later. And I worked with the editor on the edit because it was like a 500 page book that got edited down to 250 pages. Mm -hmm. And my favorite chapter in that book was called Flowers and Humans. Yeah, And she wanted to cut it out. And I kept fighting her on it. She's like, it's a great chapter. It doesn't belong in the book. And eventually I realized she was right. It didn't belong in the book. It was my favorite chapter. And I thought... I'm going to do something else with that chapter. And so when I was working on the tree rings, I found this... I I used salvaged and felled trees. I found this beautiful olive slice that looked like a brain and a flower. Mm -hmm. So I took that, and then I distilled the ideas in his chapter, which were pretty much... There are many different ideas on why the human brain grew larger than other species. And his idea was that it was our co-evolution with flowers that the Mm. acerbic acid and glucose from fruit, from flowers, caused us to like have these sugar rushes and be able to ponder bigger thoughts. And that was what, (laughs) it's a great chapter. So I distilled his very scientific chapter into like on this olive slice into just like four like ideas. I strategies. love that. A lot of people, I, I hung it not in a, a space that had its own energy, but I think some people missed it. But it's like my favorite piece of the show. <laughs> you could
1: do a whole thing on that. I think I know. take that chapter that was left out and I just. Know. I'm
2: thinking like if you get that piece, you also get the chapter. Like because yeah. this chapter is all the science, and then this is just yeah. a. Poetic so this version. is your parents again a yeah. little bit, huh? a little influence in yeah. both. Yeah, yeah, let me go,
0: let me go back to that because um, you certainly had the benefit of where they were coming from, what they were teaching, their mentorship, <laughs> not completely idyllic granted Mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, because of what you said earlier, you know, even with that sort of platform to go out into the world and on your own, achieving your successes and you've Mm -hmm. had success, share with us a little bit about some of the either particular or general struggles as a woman that you had to to face just, you know, succeeding uh, in in making a film or in any of your endeavors, because I know they're out there. Yeah.
2: I mean, okay. So I went to UC Berkeley and, I was super interested in all the sciences. I mean, I took everything, and then I had this, like, film class, and that, like, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. And when I... I'm like, so trying to figure out, like, what... I mean, generally... It's okay, kind of a
0: general and specific. Out, yeah, keep, okay, okay, go, go, ahead. Ahead, so go ahead. I, ahead,
2: ahead. I want to be a filmmaker, and the way I paid for my films was working in technology, which I had always been super into, like, the early Macs, before the Mac, before this is before the web. Mm-hmm. And I was getting out of debt on one of my films and I yeah. saw the web and I was like, it's going to change the world. And I founded the Webby awards, which we haven't even Mind. talked about, but that was like a big chunk of my first career and it kind of took me away from filmmaking for a decade, but being okay. So that's where I'm going to answer. So I generally have always felt like it was my advantage being a woman. Right, you
1: said that earlier. I really did. Well, that's what you were taught yeah. as well.
2: I really, that's what I was taught, and that's what I... believe. And, and I feel like it's unexpected, like I walk, especially as a film director, or even when I was in tech, like there's so few women. Yeah. So I think people just, it they don't know what to expect, mm-hmm. which is actually a great advantage.
0: You're flipping the script a little bit, totally, right? really
2: <laughs> right? So I come in, and I... I always just feel like it kind of catches them a little off guard, which is a really great position for me. That's a great position for anybody to be in. Every situation, right? Right. So they see this Mm -hmm. blonde woman Mm -hmm. come in. Mm -hmm. There's all these stereotypes about that. (laughs) I'm sitting here with two blondes here, by (laughs) the way. And I'm wearing a fedora hat, which I usually have always... either worn my hair in unusual ways or worn a hat, but that's a whole other story. But... (laughs) And they don't know what to expect, right? And then I come in and I...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know what that means. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I just got to make shit happen. So I feel like I actually... I know I get asked this a lot. Like, what were... I mean, I think more of my struggles early in my career was me just trying to do two... Like, the ideas I had in my head when I was too young. Like, mm-hmm. the film that I was—I told you I got into debt over, when I graduated from Berkeley, I had, you know, done well at Berkeley with my film. I studied at NYU this summer program. then went to Berkeley, and I, I won this big award, and I was feeling very confident. Spike Lee had just made a feature. I thought, oh, I'm going to make my first feature film. And it was way too ambitious of a project for a 22-year-old to make. It was, like, 30 locations and hundreds of people. <laughs> and I failed very big publicly early in my career is the best fucking thing that ever happened to me. I was 24, I would say, the real depression set in because I kept working on the film, running out of money, working in technology to pay off the debt, and I went back on that cycle like three or four times. But it was the first time, you know, I really failed. Mm -hmm. Where I kept running out of money, but then eventually I got depressed and I lost my vision for the film and went into a really... It was the most humbling and difficult, you know, career-wise point. Mm -hmm. But I can remember it like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I think about that a lot of, like, now it's so exciting, I have an idea, and I can do the thing that's in my head. But when I was young, I just, like, that first big feature film that Mm -hmm. I never had finished and Sitting in My Garage, someday I will turn it into a short film about failure and what you can learn from it. (laughs) But it was... A great thing to happen to me really young because I, you know, just this sense of humility and and the lessons I learned as a boss. Like I had a lot of people working for free on that film, mm-hmm. mm. which, you know. I felt like I let them all down, and um, and you know I think I was brought up in an environment where you don't quit on anything, but it was a really important lesson after like four years of going back and forth when I knew I had to quit. Cut your losses. Huh? Yeah, and and then but then I started the Webby Awards. That was one of the ways I was getting out of debt. And at the time, I was just a contractor working for this magazine, starting this small thing. Actually, no. When I first got out of that film, I got a job that I knew I was overqualified for, but I just needed something that wasn't stressful that I could just slowly get out of debt and. Anyways, I guess I bring all of that up because that was what I would say was the bigger point in my career that I got really turned to. But other than that, I, you know, I was running the Webby Awards. I was at this company when I started it with all these kind of Harvard business school graduates and a big Irish company a company called IDG, which was a big tech oh, publishing yeah. firm. Oh, I know, well. And I was again, always like there was only two women presidents out of all their women's divisions. So the Webbys became very successful, and then it was spun out into its own division. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean I would walk into those meetings to, at board meetings, mm-hmm. like 26, 27, and mm-hmm. to Harvard Business right. School grads and present and what they required that I presented on my numbers right. was as if I went to Harvard Business School.
1: Right.
2: Which my business partner and I eventually went to this program, like a executive education, just to like be like Masterclass. <laughs> I know.
1: Well I've got I've got something to say about this yeah, and because it's very interesting. Because so I was in tech as well okay. and I worked with very few women in tech. We were the first ones out there selling software. Right. And I think this is a lesson that or something that should be taught to women now because I think that in the past when when women were told that they had power they immediately attach that to sexual, like, especially if they were beautiful, right? It's like they would work their their sexuality into meetings. I can remember a friend of mine in tech who was extremely intelligent, and she was uh, starting companies left and right, and she was just like, you know, Tam, you know, you need to have a kid, like a boy, you know, you need to learn how to put men on a pedestal. You know, they need to be the lion king, and you need to make them feel like the lion king because if you do that, then you can get whatever you want in business business. And I remember meeting a lot of women or the few women in tech back then. And I watched them and I watched them in the bigger companies that I work for. The women that would get ahead were the ones that would, you know, turn that on and then sort of like, like, you know, you know, get them to do the exactly what, you know what I'm about. talking about. Totally. So, so, but when you, so when you say I always felt powerful as a woman. Okay. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because let's go back to the hat and yeah. the lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I have never,
2: I never push out my sexuality. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I in fact, do quite the opposite. Right. I'm always, so the first part of my career, I used to wear my hair in these like crazy knots. Like I've always had long blonde hair and I wore mm-hmm. my red lipstick. And it was like, look at what I'm saying. Like, don't look at this. Look mm-hmm. up. Look above right. my head. And when I put my hat on, which is always slightly masculine, it's also kind of like, you know, what? where are you coming from? Yeah. And I always, and I'm just gonna say it on the radio. I have big, I have big breasts. I don't care. <laughs> and I've spent my life trying to minimize that. Yeah, there's never. And when I see young women push it out there, I'm always. And like people say, well, that's feminism because I can wear it that way. And I'm like, no, no. but that's not what you want the attention on. Like to me, that is actually the struggle. Okay, I'm glad you brought oh, that I'm up. Getting yeah, there. I'm getting there because, because that's how I've I always felt. Work against now. my, like, I love fashion. Yeah. I love clothes. I and I love. But I, you'll never see me dress sexy. Yeah. Like, that's not my style specifically because I don't want that to be the focus. Like, I would much rather a, usually a woman compliment me on my outfit yeah. than I get attention from a man that way. So I would say that is something I've been just very conscious of and intentional about
1: yeah for I, that
2: exact reason that you're saying tammy because i saw so many women like that to me is the wrong way Me too. i feel to the same get way ahead and to get power and that's not how i want my to wield what my intelligence is like like focus on what i'm saying on my red lips in my eyes with my hat, my hair—it's an unusual style. Do not go below. Yeah, and that's—it's that's really great. Right. Well, and it's
0: in a sense that is the struggle, or a struggle, it right? Is, right? Because it's, it's, you have to consciously think about this. You
2: have to consciously, this. you know, think about what you're putting out into the world. Yeah. And that's why when I hear young women or I see. Young people dress really sexy, and I get it. You're like understanding that is one yeah. of that is a power. But to me, it's like mm, if there's anything that I could recommend to anyone with young women listening, it's like that's not that you know. And even that whole argument, like a woman should be able to dress as sexy as they want, and then mm-hmm. I, I, I get that you can. But like, is that how you want people to read you? And I think like with fashion. Um, I used to be on Good Morning America as their internet expert mm-hmm. when I was running the Webby Awards, and I would be flown into New York once a month. And I remember that was at the particular time when I was, like, wearing my hair and all these, like, crazy knots. And I was, like, the person from the future coming from San Francisco to talk about
1: the web. <laughs> the but Earthlings. They Ser- the Earthlings. <laughs>
2: Totally. And that's how they viewed me because they I was an totally internet expert. I wasn't a correspondent. Yeah. And I would be interviewed by Dan Sawyer, who's like, would have the blonde bob yeah. and her, like, power suit. Yeah. And I remember they would say to me, and I, when I was negotiating my contract with them, they kept. I was so worried they were gonna say like, "You can't wear what you wear," and I was ready for my re- response, which was like, "I'm not that. I am not the cookie cutter correspondent who's. I'm like." giving you my point of view on something. right? And the way I do that is through fashion, because to me, how you dress yourself, you're giving a whole bunch of signals and information to people, especially when I'm on national television once a month. So I do think a lot about visuals, because that's, if you're talking about the female male thing, that is that I wouldn't, it's funny, I wouldn't use the word struggle. I would just say, Like the intentionality, like which power are you
1: tapping into? Right. You have to think about it. I mean, it
0: has to be a conscious decision. Yeah. I would
1: love to see more sessions or group or or women talking about that. Because I wonder how,
0: how, I say struggle because I wonder how much a man has to worry about that when he they don't don't. I I say that you know rhetorically I mean I shave and I
2: yeah Yeah. for a woman it's so much and there's so many more choices of what we can wear like my husband Ken who I you know he loves clothes too but he's like you have so many more choices than we do which we do and there's a lot of choices so you see a lot of people make choices that you're like huh do you want to be taken seriously I don't
1: know Mm mm-hmm
0: We will get back to the Green Room in just a moment, but first, we'd like to thank and hear from our sponsor helping make this podcast possible. This episode of Tales from the Green Room is brought to you by the Sports and Entertainment Group of the O'Hagan-Meyer Law Firm. O'Hagan-Meyer is a proud holder of a Mansfield Rules certification, reflecting an ongoing commitment to consider a broad pool of candidates as it hires and promotes by intentionally including lawyers who identify as members of historically underrepresented groups. The Mansfield Rule is named after Arabella Mansfield, the first woman admitted to the practice of law in the United States. Mansfield Rule certification reaffirms O'Hagan Meyer's commitment to equity and inclusion. The firm has a national scope with offices in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C., and can be found on the web at o'haganmeyer.com. It's a mindset then. I mean, it sounds like you Mm -hmm. got through, I'm not going to call them struggles, challenges, whatever, the things that were presented, obstacles, men and women all have them in business, but you entered into it with a mindset.
2: Yeah. And I think like, I see a lot of performers. Just as I'm even saying this, like Lizzo or mm-hmm, like, there mm-hmm, are some yeah. performers, but I think that's a whole different set of issues. Cause she's really owning her body positivity yeah, totally. and stuff. But you know, when she was on the cover nude and I, I remember <laughs> struggled with that. I'm like, I get why you're doing that. And yeah. I get it. I get it. And it's powerful for young women to see you. Yeah. And I also was like, and you're such a talented flutist and singer. And yeah. like, so for her, like there's some people it's different and they're working with a different sets yeah. of levers on what they're trying to keep communicate to the world but uh-huh. generally i am more of the school of like do you want to be known for your intellect <laughs> right or you know it's exactly in, or your yeah. big
0: boobs yeah i mean i, I I'm, well
2: at
1: home maybe okay. well, at home, well
0: there's nothing wrong with yeah. and you're saying this there's yeah. nothing wrong with wanting to and dressing and feeling sexy maybe in the right in moment. the right environment that's yeah. right i mean right. yeah I mean, you're not taking that away from women, are you?
2: No, 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 not at all. I think I may be pushed so far in the other way that's Mm -hmm. just like not even in my... You know, I like. Sometimes my husband will be like, "Wear a dress." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Okay. No, no. I'm just. Joking. I mean, but
1: I <laughs> we struggle I love with the those same thing. I
2: like playing yeah. with the gender stuff, yeah. and I think a lot of that is, uh, you know, just playing with that visual convention. It's super
0: interesting. And now this goes back
2: to you know a man hosting this <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. podcast. What do you it. think first about that? I love that. I get some I, grief about first it. First of all, I love Annie. I, I asked before they were on because she's my <laughs> partner, and you guys are really partners. <laughs> like like yeah. <laughs> partners, quotes, and partners. But I, I love, I love seeing a good relationship, which you two have, which mm-hmm. is really beautiful. And I think that it's rare that the female, like strong woman, strong man, coming together, both enjoying each other's strength mm-hmm. and weaknesses, because we mm-hmm. all have them, right? Mm-hmm. So and moments and moments exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I, I like that, and I like, and I think um, it's a nice role reversal because there's been how many shows about like men's super, but I, so I think, I think it was interesting. I was kind of like, Hmm, I like it. Yeah. 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 The the
0: concept, uh, we get some grief or I do, you know, so why are you hosting this uh,
2: to throw people off guard? I think that's kind of going back to like, whenever you kind of like, it's not what you expect. Yeah. And I like, I like that moment of like, Mm -hmm. you don't know exactly you're going to get. That's a
0: better answer than saying, well, otherwise it would be the view.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> which, is
0: <enough. laughs> which is what Maybe some like
1: people you have said. Um, so, and we are going to talk more because I'm going to talk to you more about family and whatnot off off of this off the record but, and off the record, <laughs> which will then be back on the record. So, what do you think? Top three things we can do as a society, as a community, if you want, if we want to get more hyper more hyper you know, targeted to help with this evolution of, of equality of getting. I mean, like three things that are that are you know substantial that would be effective that people could start thinking about in their everyday life even? Well, I think uplifting the stories of uh,
2: women in history, and uh, which we're seeing more and I'm trying to do, and I think the mentor, mm-hmm. and again, you don't have to call it that, but look look for people in your community that can guide you to that next phase that have more experience and even younger people can be mentors like you're joking around the social media (laughs) (laughs) well they're mentoring us the more you open up the idea of mentorship they can be all around you and Mm -hmm. i think that's a really beautiful idea in any community Mm -hmm. and you know i'm always like get off the screens occasionally and uh, please Put them away. Um, That'll me, make tell... everything better. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to sidetrack
0: your question and answer, yeah, yeah, but the, the off-the-screen thing, I'd love to tell us uh, about that because well, I did, know you.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, here I am, this woman in tech, for a long time. My husband's a professor of robotics at UC Berkeley. We obviously love the tech, but we don't love it 24-7. And when right after my dad died, I was just really feeling like I could die at any day. Mm-hmm. We could all die. How do you want to live your life? And, and we started, and we're Jewish, but we're not religious. And uh, my husband grew up doing Shabbat, which is a beautiful mm-hmm. meal. Yep. If you go to Israel, it's a full day of rest. So we kind of interpreted it as turning off screens. So this was 13 years ago, or almost 14 years ago. We started turning off screens from Friday night to Saturday night. We called it our tech Shabbat. And it was just something that felt like this immediate sanctuary I needed. And we spent a lot of time on Mount Tam. Usually on those days, we cook, we nap, we do art. We we're on Mount Tam, favorite day of the week by far. And we did a week after week after week. And I started knowing all the noticing all these changes in my creativity and my happiness, my sense of connection with the kids and everything. So, you know, and even my teenage daughter at the time would say it helped her from high school yeah. burnout. I mean, yeah. she felt... Because we won't, wouldn't let them do homework from Friday night to Saturday So night it's
0: Friday, a 24-hour period? Yeah, 24-hour yeah. period. God, it's amazing. And so I
2: eventually wrote a book about it. And, mm. you know, I mean, for me... I just wanted to share, just like meditation or yoga, this is this very ancient idea that's never been more needed in society as mm-hmm. a day of rest, and yeah. we're never off the screens. And so when you talk about what would be good things for society, I mean, like being seen, so many people are staring at their phones, just everyone, you yeah. know, so that just helps every part of society to yeah. take a break. I
1: yeah, encourage everyone to read the book and everyone that to, is fabulous. to try that. Yeah, I want, this so, has been a great talk, yeah. by the way. I know. So um, I want to ask you, you something.
0: This is. I'm going to see. I'm going to test my ability to challenge well see if i can meet the challenge of educating you about the existence of a historically influential woman okay and i don't think i can do it but i'm going to ask Maybe, you anyway yeah, uh, do you know who it, uh, the woman arabella mansfield is have you heard that name no i
2: did it you okay. did it tell me so, tell me so
0: arabella mansfield is the uh, first woman admitted to the practice of the law of uh, practice of law in the united states mm. i mean that's pretty a pretty big deal. I like deal.
2: that, and for a lawyer, I like that you know that. Thank you. Throw well, that around at meetings. <laughs> I'll throw it
0: around. Well, what I do, so this is a, a shameless uh, promotion of the law firm that is also a sponsor of this podcast, So Hagen meyer
2: Intermingling. Not bad, right? Not bad. But
0: I just, I was very curious about it, and it was one of these things when we were putting the podcast together, I was thinking of sponsors, I thought, oh my God, O'Hagan-Meyer. I mean, the, there's some, there, well, there's something called the Mansfield Rule, and you can get a Mansfield Rule certification as a law firm. Firm and tout yourself that to the community or to the clients and etc. If you get it, and I'll just read it to you because it's in our sponsor thing. But it reflects an ongoing commitment to consider a broad pool of candidates as it hires, promotes, and markets to clients by intentionally including lawyers who identify as members of historically unrepresented groups. And it's named after Arabella Mansfield. Oh God, and when God, I that saw, I, thank you. See? And when it's I crazy. saw that. And I didn't know who she was. I knew we were a Mansfield certified law firm, O'Hagan oh, Meyer. Right. And when I saw that, I go, oh my God, the women are smarter. What? <laughs> Bang. So here you go. <laughs> what
2: year did you just say what year she was?
0: Um, okay, so now you're testing me. Well, no, uh, it does not. That. It does not say, but but I'm giving you something to follow up on. I
2: love it. Thank you. Thank you for teaching. I think every day you should learn something new, and that's a good one to learn. Thank you. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. And uh, everybody can look forward to reading all about Tiffany and her family and some other things that we don't know about that are already on her website, uh, tiffanyschlain.com.
0: And it's coming up Thank in the Dennis. Mill Valley Living yeah, Magazine. Mill Valley Living That's what you're
1: speaking of, yes. Perfect way to start off the year in January. Yeah. And then don't forget to see the exhibit. at Shack 15
2: Yeah. And if you go, they Human go nature. to just com. They can find out all the different ways to see it. Yes, yeah. of course. And okay.
0: shut off your phone Friday.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Until right. Saturday, if right you can after do you it. To this. I
0: challenge everyone to do that. Yeah, that you know. And
2: you're still doing it, right? Oh, it's my favorite day. That I'm already it. thinking about it. It's Wednesday. It's something days.
0: you look forward to.
2: I look forward to it, and then I look forward to getting back <laughs> online. So it has like a double hit every That's week. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. That's wonderful. Tiffany, thank you thank so you. much. Great to That's get to know great. you more, and uh, we you. will
1: see you and read about you and hear you. And yay, lots more to come. Yeah. Okay.